Ladies and gentlemen of the congregation, good morning and welcome to another edition of the Motorsport Ministry. This is episode number 68. We're only two away from hitting the big 70 mark. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about Kyle Busch and his sponsorship troubles in order to secure him a Cup Series ride. We'll be talking about the official announcement of the Chicago Street Course, and then we'll end it off with our best bets of the week. So, let's jump straight into it and talk about Kyle Busch. And before we begin this segment, I just want to say something. First of all, I want to give a happy birthday to the official unpaid intern slash executive producer of the Motorsport Ministry, and that is NASCAR Opinion, a.k.a. William Richard. Happy birthday, my man, 28 years old. Your ass is getting old, my boy. <laughs> but seriously, in all seriousness, happy birthday to William Richard, a.k.a. NASCAR Opinion. Have a great birthday, bud. So let's start talking about our topics. And one thing that I want to mention is I'm not just a racing fan. I racing is not my sole is not my sole source of sports. I watch some football. I've even done some broadcasting for some baseball recently. I mean, I have even another podcast that you guys could check out on every Tuesday, the GSMC Football Podcast, where I do talk about football. And one of the things I love about these multiple different types of sports, especially a sport like football, is that when it comes to signing contracts. It's not necessarily about what have you done for me in the past, or at least most of the time that's not what it is. You'll have some instances like the recent Von Miller contract where that is the case. But in a lot of instances, it's not what have you done for me before, it's what have you done recently. And that's one thing I really like about you know contracts in most sports. It's not about what you've done in the past, because if it's about what you've done in the past, I mean, the Cowboys would always have the highest salary cap in the league, and then, you know, salary cap would be non-existent for them. But that's never the case. And I feel like NASCAR, we're really going to be seeing this year that kind of mentality. And I want to talk about that with Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch, he is the most decorated driver in the Cup Series, still driving today. 60 wins, two-time champion, over 200 wins across the National Series. He is the most accomplished driver that is active in the sport today. I mean, so where am I getting at with this? I want to talk about what have you done for me recently? Because you might be thinking to yourself, if he's got 60 wins, he's got two championships, he should be one of, the one of if not the highest paid driver in NASCAR. And you can argue rightfully so. I mean, even I would argue rightfully so. And I don't want to come off with this segment by saying that drivers should not be going for all the money they can get. If you have the drivers and really anyone in general, if you have the ability, go get as much money as you are capable of getting. If Kyle Busch wants to stay the highest paid, he's deserved to be the highest paid driver in the Cup Series still today. However, there is a lot of caveats to what I'm trying to say here. And really, what it seems to come down to is with Joe Gibbs Racing sponsorship issues, they reportedly had a sponsor lined up, but that fell through. And now, you know, you have people from TRD coming out saying that they're in a bad place and they're even thinking about contingency plans for if Kyle Busch can't be retained as a Toyota driver. And what is the number one thing that we've been hearing throughout this entire sponsorship drama with Kyle Busch? Not just, there's been two things. I want to compare this to the Jimmy Johnson search in 2018 once Lowe's announced they were going to leave. When Jimmy Johnson was looking for a sponsor, which by the way, they didn't announce Ally until October, so, you know, if Kyle Busch is on the, still on the same track, I mean, I know Jimmy Johnson was still under contract, but you know what I'm trying to say is that they didn't find a sponsor until at least October. 
So what I'm trying to get at here is that Kyle Busch, he still has a couple of months left until, you know, I'd still say they're in panic mode. Even though you can argue they're already in panic mode already. But what is one thing you never heard about Jimmy Johnson when it came to his contract? Number one thing you never heard is his salary. You never heard mention once talk about the salary of Jimmy Johnson. Now granted, he'd already signed that contract, so that really wasn't even up for debate. It was just more a matter of what, what company was going to be slapped on the side of the car. But you know that his salary did t pay did take into account finding that sponsor, which ended up being Ally. What I'm trying to say is his, sa his salary, what he wanted to be paid, wasn't so public. It wasn't one of the main talking points when it came to finding a sponsor for Jimmy Johnson. Pretty much besides what sponsor is going to be on Kyle Busch's 18 car next year, that's been the number one talking point when it came to re comes to re-sign Kyle Busch, is that Kyle Busch doesn't want to take a pay cut. He still wants to be one of, if not the highest paid drivers in the sport today. And again, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If that's what he wants to do, then go ahead. He's earned every right to do so. With what he's accomplished, he's a lock for the Hall of Fame, he deserves to be one of the highest paid drivers in the sport, if not the highest paid. I fully believe that. However, I talked about at the beginning of the episode when it comes to recency bias. In my opinion, Kyle Busch has very little leverage when it comes to his salary right now in terms of a couple reasons. This is why I believe so. Number one, he's not as good as he was before. He's not as good as he was three years ago when he won his championship in 2019. And you can argue that season when he started to decline. Let's take a look at Pocono 2019 to Pocono now. So three years time. How many races has Kyle Busch won? You think 60 wins. He should have won maybe 5, 10 races in that time span. From, 29, from 2019 Pocono race, race 1 to Pocono race 2 in 2022, he's won four times. Truex has won more races. All, all of his Joe Gibbs racing teammates, minus Christopher Bell and Eric Jones, have won more races since then. Alex Bowman has won more races since then. William Byron has won, I believe, the same amount of races since then. Chase Elliott has won more races. Kyle Larson has won more races. Joey Logano won more races. Ryan Blaney's won more races. You see what I'm trying to get at here? Is that if we're talking about what you've done for me recently, not what you've done for me in the past, four wins in three years, and I just named well over five to seven drivers that have won the same amount, if not more races, than Kyle Busch recently, that doesn't spell highest paid Cup Series driver material in my opinion. Okay, let's let's take the wins out of the equation. Let's take a look at his playoff performances. How has he done in the playoffs? Well, 2019, obviously, he did win the championship. But then let's look at 2020. How did he do defending his Cup Series title? Well, 2020, he got bounced out of the round of 12. And if we're still going to count wins, he didn't win a race until the, sec the third to last race of the season. Okay, that doesn't sound very good. He finished 8th in points. So, okay, 8th in the standings. Only one win. Only 20 top 10s on the year. But, it was a COVID. That was the first year of the pandemic. So, let's cut him some slack for 2020. You know, everyone was kind of going through some craziness. I mean, really besides Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin, everyone kind of had a kind of wacky year when it came to... 2020 and he didn't finish seventh in the points he finished eighth in the points according to racing reference okay 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 what about 2021 first year with a little bit of first year i know they still didn't have a lot of practice but they were still able to get the feet their ball rolling a little bit 
So how did Kyle Busch do in 2021 when things started to go back to normal? Well, he got knocked. He didn't make it to the championship four. I mean, he was a top, he was a borderline top five driver all season long, but more times than not, he found himself outside the top ten of points, and he finished ninth in the standings, and he led 200 less laps than the year prior. Uh, that doesn't sound like championship material, folks. Okay, okay, okay. What about 2020 with the next-gen car? Everyone's at a clean slate. So Kyle Busch, arguably the best driver in the Cup Series today, he's at a clean slate with everyone else. He should be taking advantage of that. So how's Kyle Busch been doing this year so far? Well, he got one win, which was the only reason he got that win is because he, because Chase Briscoe, Kamikaze, Tyler Reddick, and he's currently six in the standings. And right now his average finish is projected to be worse than 2020 and his worst average finish since 2014. Uh, do you see where I'm getting at here, ladies and gentlemen? It, what I'm trying to say is this. A lot of, when it comes to sports contracts, more times than not, it's what you've done for me now, not what you've done for me in the past. And that's why you see a lot of players, they want to get paid now because they don't want to risk getting injury and then their stock drops massively. You see it really when players get traded. I mean, Amari Cooper, he got traded this year for a fifth-round pick. Now, that was mostly due to the Dallas Cowboys just don't just not understanding how to trade at all by any stretch of the imagination. Cleveland just fleeced them. But, you know, Amari Cooper, who you can argue is a top 10 wide receiver, you can make an argument. I mean, you're not going to trade a second round pick for him at most. Let's just say that. So what I'm trying to say with Kyle Busch is that you've, I've read you the stats the past three years, and you can even argue at the end, it really started at the, at the back half of the 2019 season. I mean, think about it, folks. He almost didn't make it to the championship four in 2019. He was very close to getting eliminated. And that race at Homestead was really the only race ever since his win at Pocono where he looked like he had speed. So with that being said, again, what have you done for me recently is what I'm trying to say. And this is what I'm talking about where Kyle Busch doesn't really have that much leverage. If we're talking about from the performance on the track as of late, think about this. If you're trying to go to a sponsor... Especially a sponsor, which let's be honest, has probably never been in the sport, or someone or a sponsor who hasn't been in the sport as a late, and you say, We want you to sponsor Kyle Bush. And then you're like, and then the sponsor's like, okay, how much you want us to pay you annually? Let's put the market around twenty five to thirty million dollars annually. And then the sponsor takes a deep dive into Kyle Bush. And then they think and then they see themselves and they're like, Okay, Kyle Bush, sixty wins two time champion. Okay, you know, they just look at the they just look at the cover and they think, okay, yeah, no, I think that's worth it. Then they really dive deep into the chapters of the book. And then they see the later chapters of his career, 2020 through 2022. Four wins, highest point standings, finishes eighth, highest top tens is 22. I mean, best average finish is 13th. I mean, that's about the average top 10 Cup Series driver today. That's someone in the realm of, like, let's say, a Brad Keselowski right currently. Maybe not this year because of RFK, but let's say a Brad Keselowski. That's somewhere in the realm of that. Or maybe even in the realm of someone like an Alex Bowman. Or maybe not Bowman. Like, he's like in the Ryan Blaney category is the better way to put it, where he's kind of just in the middle. He's not one of the best top five drivers in the sport currently, in my opinion. I mean, I can current right now in 2022... I can name five drivers that are currently doing better than Kyle Busch right now that I would take any week over Kyle Busch. And that is Chase Elliott, because he's been the best driver all season long. Ross Chastain, 
even though every driver in the field say they're going to do something to him, they don't end up doing anything to him, and he's been arguably the fastest driver all season long, I would even take someone like Tyler Reddick over him. While Tyler Reddick has been woefully and woefully inconsistent, I've seen more race-winning speed out of Tyler Reddick than I have out of Kyle Busch this year. Hell, I don't even think he's the best driver at his current team, Joe Gibbs Racing. Denny Hamlin has been consistently throughout the past three years faster than Kyle Busch. He's won more races than Kyle Busch. Even Truex has been consistently faster than Kyle Busch as of late. So, what I'm trying to get at here is that Kyle Busch doesn't really have a lot of leverage when it comes to a performance standpoint. He wants to be the highest paid driver in the Cup Series, and again, I think he deserves it. But if we're talking about the on-track performance, I mean, if you're a sponsor and you look at Kyle Busch's last three years, you might be asking yourself, why am I going to pay a drive? Why am I going to want to have to pay extra money to pay a salary for a driver who's won only four races in the past two and a half, three years? Does that sound right to you? Now, granted, now, granted, obviously, like I said, Kyle Busch deserves to do it. If we're talking about his overall career, then yes. But again, a lot of times when it comes to sports, is what have you done for me recently? Not of what you've done for me as a whole in your career. I mean, let's be honest. Tyler Reddick getting signed to 2311 two years early, that's mostly because of what you've done for me now rather than what you've done for me recently. I mean, Tyler Reddick, he's put RCR arguably back on the map, and that's because of recency. I mean, Austin Dillon's not going to get a contract like that anytime soon, even though he's going to stay at the team forever. And let's be honest, do you think a guy like Kevin Harvick, if he wants, let's say Kevin Harvick wanted to get a contract like Kyle Busch does. He wants to be one of the highest paid drivers in the sport currently. Are you going to pay... Top-notch dollar as a sponsor. I'm not talking about as a team owner because obviously the team owners understand the sport. But as a sponsor, who really doesn't, who probably doesn't understand the sport, are you really going to pay a driver who hasn't won a race in over two years? No, you're not. So that's what I'm trying to say at here. Now, the only leverage I would give Kyle Busch honestly is Kyle Busch Motorsports because Kyle Busch Motorsports is vital to the Toyota Racing Pipeline, to the TRD Pipeline. Multiple drivers have come out of that pipeline, and it is crucial for the development of Toyota young drivers. So with that being said, I think that Toyota, more so than not, should keep Kyle Busch. Because if they lose Kyle Busch, they're probably going to lose Kyle Busch Motorsports. If they lose Kyle Busch Motorsports, who are they going to fall back on when it comes to driver development? Thor Sport? I mean, they're mostly a veteran team. Besides Christian Eckes, they really don't have any young guns of note. I mean, maybe besides Ty Majeski, but I wouldn't really consider him a young prospect. Stuart Friesen's team, that's more of an independent team, unless TRD decides to just fully invest into that team as well. And even then, that team has just now recently gotten back into the top five in terms of truck series teams. So, Cowboys Motorsports is one of, if not the best team in the truck series. It is vital that Toyota try to keep him in order to keep that team. But if we're just talking about the performance on the track, like, and what I'm trying to get at here is the performance doesn't match what the recent performance does not match what Kyle Busch wants. Now I'm not trying to say that Kyle Busch is just a money grabbing just a money hungry money grabbing, you know, driver. I don't think that's the case at all. And again, he knows what he's worth. Kyle Busch knows that he's worth one of worth the best salary out of all the drivers. And again, I agree with that and I think he should push for that. He has every right to do so and I think he should go for it. However, the recent performance on track the fact that he's not getting any younger, he's in his late 30s now. I mean, just everything coming together, and the fact that this has been going so public, I also don't like how public this has been from both sides. 
I mean, Kyle Busch has been saying stuff like, oh, I wish it got done earlier. You know, he's kind of giving his usual Kyle Busch snarks. And in my opinion, it's not helping Kyle Busch. Because if you're a sponsor and then you're looking at the driver, I mean, let's be honest here. Everyone says, how has Eminem stuck with Kyle Busch this long, despite what Kyle Busch has done on the track and his personality, etc.? Do you really think another sponsor, looking at how Kyle Busch has been reacting to not having a sponsor or contract lined up for this amount of time, they're going to look at Kyle Busch's behavior and they're going to think, that's a guy I want, that's a guy I want as, a faith, as the face of my company. Most likely not. So also on the other fact, Kyle Busch isn't really doing himself that many favors without public he's been coming out about this. In my opinion, Kyle Busch should try to be a little more quiet about the situation and work behind the scenes. Yeah, he could still say, you know, oh, I wish I got it done sooner, but I know the team is doing a very, you know, they're trying their hardest, et cetera, et cetera. But what is the number one thing you're hearing about a Kyle Busch? I wish it came, I wish the contract happened sooner. Not in a good spot. You know, snarky Kyle Busch remarks. And M&M's has really been the only sponsor that has really been fully backing Kyle Busch since he's been to Joe Gibbs Racing, you know, besides the other sponsors that have only sponsored like maybe two to three races. But it's mostly been Eminem that has been picking up the slack. Do you think another big-time sponsor who Joe Gibbs is probably going to want to pay, want to sponsor like 20 to 30 races a year, they're going to look at that kind of remark from Kyle Busch and think, I want him for, I want him to be the face of my company? Most likely not. Kyle Busch isn't doing himself any favors without he has been handling the situation. But again, talking about that, talk about the fact that he's not getting any younger, the performance on track has not been where it's at. Really, just besides his truck series team, Kyle Busch Motorsports, I mean, I think, I really, at this point, with everything that's come out, I see only two things. Number one, Kyle Busch stays at Joe Gibbs Racing, and at that point, I think he has no choice but to take a pay cut. At this point, I don't think any sponsor is really going to be coming after him to willing to pay that much money. Again, I could be 100% wrong. I hope I'm 100% wrong. I hope Kyle Busch gets the money that he deserves. I hope anyone gets the money that they deserve. But at this point, I don't think it's going to happen. So either he's going to stay at Joe Gibbs Racing, but he's going to have to take a pay cut, or he retires from the Cup Series. I'm serious. Because at that point, what other team is Kyle Busch going to go for? No other team is going to pay Kyle Busch what they want, and every other team out there is going to be a downgrade. And I don't think Kyle Busch wants a downgrade. So either Kyle Busch stays at Joe Gibbs, but he ends up taking a pay cut, or he retires. Because the recent on-track performance... He's not getting any younger, and how he's been handling the situation himself, like I said, besides his truck series team, I mean, the odds are not in Kyle Busch's favor in any stretch of the imagination. Alright, so now it's been officially announced that the Chicago Street Race is happening. It's going to be on the July 4th weekend, and it is going to replace Road America. Now, I've talked about it in previous episodes on how why I think Road America should stay on the schedule. I talked about the Chicago Street Course, and really in a negative light. And really, it feels like the kind of vibe around the Chicago Street Course has been in a negative light as of late. And I really wanted to dive deep into why that was the case, because for today's, for today's segment, I want to talk about the Chicago Street Race in a more positive light. Let's talk about what this can do for the sport in terms of benefiting it. Because this race, in necess- I don't think this race is going to harm the sport at all, but let's talk about it. So, I posted a poll on my Twitter, at Motor Minister, and I asked the guys the question, if you're mad about the Chicago Street Course, why? Both are different reasons, so don't try to justify one by using the other. And my two, my two reasons were Road America being gone from the schedule, or you don't like the idea of the Chicago Street Race. Now, 43% voted for Road America being gone, while 57% said that they just don't like the idea. 
And there were a couple comments on there as well, which I'm going to read here. So we're going to have a little bit of fan engagement in this segment of the episode. So, at David the Daver, sorry if I mispronounced your name, he says that layout isn't great or what it could be. The event will go okay as a first run, but there is no glory to be found here. No reason to do it. Doing it inside Soldier Field or inside McCormick Place would be more fitting. I don't see the city or people caring after the spectacle. Now, he's pretty much trying to say is that this is going to have, you know, a very Miami Grand Prix vibe. In the sense of, they're not really, the folks aren't really going to care about the racing. They don't care about the drivers. They just care about, oh, it looks pretty. It's more of a, they see it more as a clout race more than anything. And I do agree with that in some sense. Because the Chicago Street Race, I mean, people have been, one of the arguments is that the racing isn't going to be great. Even though I will say the track does look more wider than I thought it was going to be. I do think it was going to be a lot more narrow. But you do have a lot of width to it, so I will give it that, though not too much. But the racing, probably not going to be the best. He'd rather do something like says Soldier Field or inside McCormick Place. Kind of do what they did with the LA Coliseum in the sense of, you're in a big market, but put it in the stadium, make it a short track. However... L.A. Coliseum, you know, a stadium that is older and really hasn't been used that much as of late because obviously the Rams moved to SoFi Stadium compared to Soldier Field, which the Bear, which is with the Chicago Bears that is still being active fairly frequently. I mean, it probably didn't make the most logistical sense. I guarantee you NASCAR at some point, they did look into using Soldier Field. They probably just got denied. Now, inside McCormick Place, I'm not from Chicago, so I can't really say that much about that. I don't really know too much about that that area of the city as well. But he's pretty much saying that he thinks that it's just going to be a spectacle race for TV. And that argument I don't really get because how's it going to look that much different on TV? Yeah, you're going to have a bunch of big cities in the background, and I guess that's going to be nice. But, I mean, the main knock on this was going to be that it wasn't going to be a good race to watch in person for the fans. However... We did see a couple renders on how NASCAR is going to market this race for the fans. So with all the VIP suites I see, with all you know, like the different clubs, the different you know attractions that they're going to have, I think that it is going to be a very good you know fan experience. I mean, even I'm arguing of whether I should go to the Chicago Street Race next year. You know, just I want to check it out. As someone who really has had zero intention of going to Chicago at all, this does pique my interest. And the next one, the next comment I want to say is at. Zilvestra, sorry, I mispronounced your name, 87. And he says, if they do this, Road America isn't the one to replace. And again, that's really been the knock that I've seen for the Chicago Street Race, is that it's replacing Road America. Now, obviously, there's way better tracks to try to replace. I mean, Texas, one of the multiple tracks where there's two races, they have two race dates, tracks like that. And even if we're talking about road courses, I mean, the Indy Road Course or Sonoma are tracks that you can argue, yeah, get rid of those get rid of those dates. But he's saying Road America isn't the one to replace, and I agree with that. If we were to replace any track, Road America would not be my first, second, third, fourth, or fifth choice. It probably wouldn't even be in my top ten when it comes to getting rid of a track or getting rid of a race date. So, I, again, I don't like that this race is coming at the expense of a classic like Road America, which, again, NASCAR has pretty much alienated one of the fan base, one of their massive fan bases. And I've talked about it before, how it doesn't make any sense how you're going to get rid of a track that has constantly produced over 100,000 fans showing up for their weekend when you have tracks like Texas, who is lucky to get 15,000 fans most weeks. But let's talk about this race from a positive light. How is this going to benefit NASCAR? Number one... They are racing in a big city. 
I know a lot of people are saying, oh, what's so special about Chicago? Folks, Chicago's still one of the, I think it's still one of the top five cities in the United States currently. So while it may not have the glamour of maybe something like Miami or Las Vegas, it's still a very, very big market. And if NASCAR can do this correctly and promote it properly, this can put Chicago on the map more so than it is. I mean, think about it. In the racing industry, what are some big cities that you think of? You think of Miami, you think of Vegas, you even think of Nashville. You don't think of Chicago. If NASCAR performs this properly, if they market it and handle this race to its maximum capacity, what it's capable of doing, you can't put Chicago in the likes in the same conversation as the likes of Miami or in the likes of Las Vegas. But again, it all depends on how NASCAR promotes this event. They promoted the LA Clash very well, and that was a fantastic event. That was a huge success. If they can bring that same energy to promoting the Chicago street course, I think that a lot of people are going to forget about the negatives they had, minus losing Road America. And number two, like I said, the layout of the track with a bunch of 90-degree turns, it's going to lend itself for what stock cars are most known for, and that is dive bombs and contact. Now, are we going to see a lot of crashes? I personally don't think so. With the way the next gen is, with the shifting, granted, they might make some changes next year to change that, but the shifting, the way the next gen has performed on road courses so far, I don't think we're going to see a lot of crashes per se. I think we'll see some spins. I think we'll see a lot of dive bombs. But in terms of having crashes, I don't think we're going to see that. So I think this race is going to lend itself perfectly to stock car racing, or this track is going to lend itself perfectly to stock car racing with all those 90-degree turns for dive bombs without necessarily having to have that risk of just having an all-out wreck fest, as opposed to if we were doing this with, let's say, the Gen 6 car. And number three, if this race turns out to be a success, which people were skeptical about the LA Coliseum, people were skeptical about Circuit of the Americas, I would argue those two races are both massive success. If this race turns out to be a success, then NASCAR has, them, has themselves on the footprint for a race weekend, for a city. I mean, think about it. I know, NAS in my opinion, NASCAR should be focusing on getting their core fan base happy rather than trying to chase the trendy fan. It's one of the reasons why, even though I live less than half an hour away from the Miami Grand Prix circuit, which is Hard Rock Stadium, I wasn't the biggest fan of the race just because it felt more like a clout-chasing event rather than a true prop proper racing event. But if NASCAR could do... like, Let me say it this way. Comparing the Chicago Street Course to the Miami Grand Prix, I feel like NASCAR is in a better position to make it a true race weekend Rather than Formula 1's Miami Grand Prix, which was, let's be honest, just, oh, if you have money and you want to get popular, go to the Miami Grand Prix. NASCAR, in my opinion, has a better, has a more of an advantage to make this race more of a true event for racing fans rather than just an event for clout chasers, is what I'm trying to say. Because NASCAR lends itself more to that than opposed to something like Formula 1, because Formula 1 is more trendy, and NASCAR, while they haven't been really showing it as of late, they are still more of an old-school racing series for true racing fans rather than something like Formula One. So, the Chicago Street Course, it's now official. We lost Road America, but we're getting the Chicago Street Course. And again, another positive, it adds more diversity to the schedule. I mean, think about it. What other racing series can you say has it where the drivers race at one-and-a-half intermediates, two-mile tracks, Short tracks, a dirt track, road courses, concrete and asphalt tracks, and a street course. And obviously, I probably forgot to mention a couple of those here and there. But Oh, and Super Speedway, where you draft in a pack. NASCAR, I mean, last year they proved it, but this year they proved it even more. They really do have the most diverse schedule out of any racing series. 
more diverse than Formula One, more diverse than IndyCar. NASCAR really does have the most diverse racing series in the world, and the addition of the Chicago Street Course further cements that. So, you know, there's a lot to talk about with the Chicago Street Course. Is it going to succeed? Is it not? I'm going to try to give it the benefit of the doubt because we still have well over a year until we actually see it in action. But I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt and say this race will be a success. They got a three-year contract reportedly, so they got a couple years in order to make sure that it can sustain long-term. Now, I do stand by what I said about the last time I talked about the Chicago Street Course, which is it needs to happen for at least five years in order to be successful. If it's only for three years and it's done, I think it's a failure because then, again, you just wasted a lot of money for relatively no reason. But if they can make this race successful, and I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt saying it will be, it's generating a lot. If it generates a lot of interest, if the layout of the track does what I think it does, it's going to lend itself to what stock cars do best, with the next-gen car as well, with how it's performing at road courses, I'm actually looking forward to the Chicago Street Course and what it can provide. And again, I might even try to go to the race next year because I got family that live up in Indiana, so I'd only have to drive just a couple hours just to get to Chicago. So overall, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait to see what happens. I'm still very skeptical on it. I don't like that we lost Road America. I do think that there are other tracks that could have been more afforded to lose rather than Chicago to get the Chicago Street Course. But overall... I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. We'll wait and see what happens next July. And who knows? This could be the start of, you know, something new for NASCAR. And again, if it does well, NASCAR just landed a home run. All right, it's time for my favorite segment of the week, Best Bets of the Week. If you guys don't know how this works, is I look at different betting websites. Nine times out of ten, I'm going on DraftKings Sportsbook. And I'll look at the betting odds for the race, and I won't necessarily say who I think is going to win the race, but who I think you get the most bang for your buck in terms of a pick in terms of betting. So, for example, if I say Joey Logano, I think he's going to win Pocono. I don't think he's, that doesn't mean I think he's the best bet to place for that race weekend. So, I'm going to do three races today. I'm going to do the French Grand Prix for IndyCar. I'm going to do Cup Series for Pocono. I'm going to do the IndyCar race for Iowa. I'm going to skip the Truck and Xfinity Series race this weekend just because I think we got the main three series those are the ones that people are going to be looking for the most so with that let's get started by talking about the French Grand Prix currently Max Verstappen is the favorite at plus 110 and I was really tempted to make my favorite pick be my favorite pick be Max Verstappen because anytime you could get him in the pluses in the plus 100s I do think that it is worth it because he is the best driver in the series currently in my opinion however I'm going to deviate away from Max Verstappen. I'm going to stick with the pick that I had last week. Because last week I did end up doing the French Grand Prix. And I'm going to stick with my pick, Charles Leclerc, at plus 170. Again, if you're talking about when both of these drivers are on their A game, Charles Leclerc, he's right up there with Max Verstappen. So, with that being said, he's shown last week that he is capable of going up against Verstappen. Granted, it takes Verstappen having some issues. But, I think Leclerc, when he's on this A game, he's just as unbeatable as Max. So plus 170, I really like Charles Leclerc. My least favorite bet, however, is going to go to the driver who has plus 650 odds, and that is Lewis Hamilton. The reason I don't like Lewis Hamilton is very simple. Plus 650 for a driver, or not necessarily a knock on the driver, but a team that really besides one race, and only that one race because the top contenders had issues, where he's shown he had the capability of winning the race. He hasn't shown, or that team hasn't shown, besides the British Grand Prix, any ability that they can win a race so far this year. They can beat the Red Bull or beat the Ferrari. So plus 650, I really don't like that bet at all, especially because I would take drivers like Sergio Perez or Carlos Sainz over Lewis Hamilton personally. 
My out-of-the-box pick is going to go to Carlos Sainz at plus 2,200. And the main reason I'm saying it is this. Sainz has shown that he can, these past couple weeks, he can keep up with Leclerc now. He's a lot closer to where he was at the, since the previous season. He's been a lot closer as of late than he has been the rest of the, for most of the season. And on top of that, he does have that win. And had it not been for an engine issue at Canada, he or not Canada, excuse me, Austria, he probably would have gotten a podium finish. So, if cards fall the right way again, Carlos Sainz at plus 2200 I think is a great bet. Let's move on to the Cup Series race at Pocono, where Kyle Busch is currently the favorite at plus 700. And this one was a little bit tricky, because I didn't really know who I wanted to pick as my favorite or my least favorite. I didn't want to pick Kyle Busch, because again, I just haven't really seen race winning pace out of him, so I can't really in wholeheartedly pick him at plus 700. If he was maybe below at plus 12 or 1500, I maybe would have picked him. A 700 for a driver really hasn't shown that he can have the pace to compete, up, compete with the likes of Chase and Chastain. I can't. So, I thought about it. What are some teams that have very good horsepower? Because, you know, Pocono, three long straightaways, you need the horsepower in order to get it done. And I decided to go with the driver who is at plus 1,000 odds, and I'm probably going to regret this. I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney. Mostly because he's won this race before, he knows how to win this race under pressure, and again, Ford is never short on horsepower, so Blaney, he's on the playoff cut line, he knows he needs to win, I think this could be the week where push comes to shove, he does manage to grab a win, so Ryan Blaney at plus 1,000 odds I really like. My least favorite bet is going to go to William Byron at plus 1,200, and it's mostly because I haven't seen consistency, I haven't seen pace at all from that team as a late. Maybe they're experimenting on some things in order to get ready for the playoffs, but only five top tens throughout the entire season has done next to nothing ever since he's won his race at Martinsville. So William Byron being in the top ten, there's drivers outside the top ten or even below him that I would take over someone like William Byron. My out-of-the-box pick is going to go to Tyler Reddick at plus 2,500. Reddick has shown a lot of speed this year. Chevrolet always has a lot of horsepower underneath the hood, which is important for a track like Pocono. And for how low he is down here, I do like Tyler Reddick at plus 2,500 as my out-of-the-box pick. And finally, we got the IndyCar doubleheader at Iowa. Now, this one, I'm going to be honest, I kind of cheated a little bit, mostly just because the betting odds for DraftKings Sportsbook, it only has it for one race. However, I'm going to count it for both races, so that's why I'm saying I'm cheating it here. So for race one, Joseph, New well, Joseph Newgarden in general is the favorite at plus 350. And for race one, my favorite pick is going to be Joseph Newgarden at plus 350. He's always been good at these short ovals. He's always been consistent at these short ovals. So plus 350, I think, is a great betting odd to put Joseph Newgarden on. My least favorite is going to go to Scott McLaughlin at plus 1,200. Mostly just because we haven't really seen Scott McLaughlin race too much of these type of ovals. Yes, he nearly won Texas, but that's a super speedway for IndyCar. Very different from a short oval. So that is why Scott McLaughlin, recency experience, you know, you know, he hasn't run that well. I'm going to put him at 1,200 my least favorite at plus 1200. My out of the box pick, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit, is going to go to Roman Grosjean at plus 2000. And even though he probably has the same experience as, as Scott McLaughlin on the short ovals, he has shown last year when he ran for Rick Ware Racing that he can't perform at a short oval. He got a top 10 at Gateway last year for crying out loud. So I like where he's at at the betting odds, also plus 2000. I would prefer that over someone like Scott McLaughlin who is at plus 1200. So with that being said, my out-of-the-box pick is going to go to Roman Grosjean. And for the final race, race two at Iowa, my favorite pick is going to go to Scott Dixon, who has at plus 600 odds. 
Scott Dixon, one of the best oval racers in IndyCar, both Super Speedway and oval racing. Plus 600, I really like those odds. My least favorite is going to go to Colton Herta at plus 800. And I'm kind of being a little bit picky here, mostly because Herta's, a lot of his strengths come at the street courses slash road courses, not so much at the ovals. So plus 800, I don't like Colton Herta. My out-of-the-box pick for race two is going to go to Alexander Rossi at plus 2,000. And I'm going doing this based off momentum. That team has shown a lot more speed as of late. Ever since Rossi announced that he's leaving, he's shown a lot more speed. He's shown a lot more race-winning speed to compete up with the big boys. So because of that, plus 2,000, I really like Alexander Rossi's odds right there. And that's your best bets of the week. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Motorsport Ministry. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you guys want to listen to all previous episodes of the Motorsport Ministry, you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the Amazon Music. You can find all of our previous episodes, along with finding us on Anchor as well. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time.